Hey everybody, my name is Anita Kirkbride of Torp Communications and this is Halablab, the show for small businesses in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Join me as I talk to businesses you may be following and some you might not have heard of yet. Hear stories from local business owners like you, how they started, where they're going, and of course, since I'm a social media consultant, how they're using social media. Take a moment to subscribe right now so you don't miss an episode, whether you're listening on Facebook, YouTube, or your favorite podcast platform. Hey, Halifax, welcome back to the Halib Lab. It's not raining today, but what a snowstorm we've had today getting us ready for winter. I hope everybody who is listening live on Facebook has survived the day and everybody's in one piece and you can now hopefully sit back and enjoy the beautiful snow out your window from the safety of your home. Uh, I'm your host, Anita Kirkbride. Today, my guest is Meryl Cook. Welcome, Meryl. Thanks. And we're nice going to talk to, thanks. We're going to be uh, talking to Meryl about how she made a major shift in her business and her life and what inspired that. So we'll talk to Meryl in a minute, but if you're watching live on Facebook, please uh, comment on the post. Let us know you're here. Interact, make comments on what Meryl's saying. Tell us your own experiences. We love to have some interaction from the people who are here live. If you're catching this on the podcast, I'd love for you to come catch it live on Facebook someday. We record every Friday afternoon at 1.30 p.m. Atlantic at the Twerp Communications Facebook page. And New today, if you are a podcast person and you would like to get a reminder when the podcast version of Halliblab Halliblab is published, if you type the word podcast on the Facebook Live post, you should get in your Facebook Messenger an automated response from my chatbot that will help you get signed up to get um, reminders from the chatbot in your messenger when that podcast goes live so that you never have to miss one of these fabulous interviews with our local entrepreneurs. So let me introduce Meryl to you. Meryl Cook is an author, journal journal writer, speaker, and workshop leader with a focus on self-kindness, moving forward one loop at a time, and creativity. As a contemporary fiber artist and former homeopath, Meryl brings her lifetime of work in the healing arts together with her experience as an artist to help others with their healing journey. She's the author of two books, One Loop at a Time, a story of rug hooking, healing, and creativity, and One Loop at a Time, the Creativity Workbook. In addition to speaking and facilitating workshops, Meryl publishes a twice monthly Heart Notes newsletter and has an active and engaged social media presence, which is why she's here today. This November and December, Meryl is the Craft Lair local artist in residence at the Center for Craft at the Center for Craft, Nova Scotia on the Halifax waterfront. So welcome, Meryl. There's so much in that introduction that I can't wait <laughs> to delve into. I, because I've been following you, for, I've known you for a few years now. I know what some of this stuff is about, but it's so interesting. And I can't wait for people to learn more about your story. So I'm not Thank even you. sure, not even sure where we should start. But um, I first met you when you were a homeopath and a 
Bowen practitioner. Is that what yes. I would call you? A Bowen yes. practitioner. So, uh, and I know I came to you for Bowen and you came to me for some social media help and we knew each other that way. Why don't you start by telling us how you went from being a homeopath and a Bowen practitioner to what you're doing today? Oh, sure. So it was about three years ago. Uh, I was diagnosed with breast cancer and I'd had the two years before that I'd had some signs that maybe uh, I needed to make a change in my life and I was wanting to have a wider impact with my work. So when I was diagnosed, I thought, well, <laughs> if this isn't an opportunity, I don't know what it is. So I decided that I would make a change. So then I didn't do anything about it right away because I was having treatment. So when I finished my treatment, um, it'll be three years this January, I started to write in a journal. I hadn't written since a teenager. And I started to sit down at my rug hooking frame and, and basically just hold space because in addition to making the decision, I knew that I needed to make space for something to come. So I couldn't just rush back into something else or rush on to something else. I knew I needed some space. So really the writing and the rug hooking started as my way of, of just trying to hold space for myself and figure out what I needed to do. And then I, I started to uh, change the way that I rug hooked. I started to incorporate using my journaling um, as inspiration for my mats. I had been hooking for about eight years and had done my own designs, but never anything like this. So I started to sort of tune into um, what I was writing about and what did I need to feel uh, and what was that body feeling and what would that body feeling look like? So the, the map behind me is an example. I, I was writing about needing kind of a solid foundation um, this past winter and, and the feeling of needing a warm and loving embrace. And so this, this occurs in a lot of my work and it's about, it's about embrace, about being comfortable, about um, it's also about being flexible. So I write and then I start to make a mat um, and I, I write around the edges of my mat uh, with the inspiration that inspired the mat. And then the mat is always kind of the body feeling of what I'm trying to create in my life. And each mat is, is, is a next step. So I started doing this just for myself and kept writing and people were um, kind of blown away by the mats that I was making and, and, uh, we're reacting in ways that no one had ever reacted uh, about my work before. And uh, I guess it was uh, just kind of a, a few serendipitous things. I, I decided that I would call them healing mats and that um, maybe I would write a book at some point. And then somebody I knew started a, a publishing company. And so she helped me self-publish my first book. So it all came together very quickly. Uh, the first eight months, um, I filled like five journals, I wrote my book, and I did a whole series of uh, what I call healing mats that I now show as a, as a, as a collection. Um, yeah, and then, and then from there came the idea that what I could do would be to teach other people to use creativity as a vehicle for self-care. So mm -hmm. out of that came some workshops, uh, they were called Hook a Healing Mat, and, and they were a combination of journaling and rug hooking, just like I do, uh, for people to hook and write themselves a love letter. And uh, I started speaking, I, I wrote a second book uh, within a year, 
that was more how people could get started on their own journey of, of looking inside for answers. I'm, I'm very influenced by Tara Moore, who talks about looking inside for answers that really we have, we have the answers we need inside us. So um, what I guess what's this business has been different than when I said I was going to be a homeopath and I studied homeopathy and that's what I did. This was wanting to, to really tune into opportunities and be open to opportunities. And so things have just kind of gradually spread. So, um, so I've managed to publish my two books. I've been doing some workshops at the corporate level, working uh, for the school board, doing teachers in service. Mm. I've started teaching sketching workshops because not everybody um, has the means or the opportunity to use fibers. Um, and I've also taught a journaling class. So, so it's, it, it just continues to morph. And, and this past summer, I had a major invitation um, to a, a big rug hooking venue in Ohio where I had a solo exhibit <laughs> and there were 5,000 people saw my rugs and oh, I gave a gallery gosh. talk and I sold a slew of books and I taught a class. So that event has led to many more invitations and I'm in, in the process of trying to get myself invited to New Zealand now to do sort of a working author, uh, facilitator type of trip. Um, my brother's moving to New Zealand. So I've connected with the Australian and the New Zealand women that I've met through this community and, and just, uh, and that's all happening by social media, by the way. <laughs> and and we're, we're talking about rug hooking. Yes, rug hooking. Rug hooking. Contemporary rug hooking. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. And it's beautiful. I mean, I, I see your stuff on Instagram. I see the one behind you. I saw the other one on the other wall. It's like, your, your stuff is beautiful. But where, why rug hooking? How did, how did you get involved with rug hooking? Well, my mom was a rug hooker since I was a teenager and I never wanted to be a rug hooker because my mom was a, a fine cut, you know, uh, shading, lot of rules kind of rug hooking. And I'm not a real straight line kind of girl. I never have been and, uh, and never wanted to do that. So one year my sister and I were visiting, uh, the one of the rug cooking stores in Mahone Bay to buy my mom a gift. And there were all these wild colored uh, rugs on the wall. And my sister convinced me that maybe I should try this and use up some of the yarns that I had because I had a whole lot, large collection of yarns because I was a knitter. Um, so I bought a little kit and then really never stopped after mm. that. And I basically taught myself. I've taken very few classes uh, in technique. I've taken a lot of uh, classes since then with my teacher in Amherst, Deanne Fitzpatrick. She's kind of, um, she's the person who's turned rug hooking into art mm -hmm. and, and, and really approaching it as an artist. And, and uh, that's, that's what I try to do in my work as well. So how old were you when you took up that first kit? Well, with 10 years ago, so I would have been okay. 52. Okay. Oh, I 52. thought the way you were telling the story, I thought it was when you were very much younger. No, so, no, just 52. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so 10 years ago, you bucked the trend. And said, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to try this. Yes. Did you, yes. did you have any idea at the time? Like, did it even occur to you that you were going to make a business out of this? No, absolutely not. I mean, I knew I was wildly in love with it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and as soon as I started, I knew I, I just love working with fibers and color and, and always have, even with my knitting. 
-hmm. And now I've started spinning, which is also another whole level of fiber addiction. So, but uh, I never thought that I could make a living at it. And and I'd, I'd always wanted to be a writer as well. When I was a young woman, I took myself on a trip to Salt Spring Island and and uh, fancied myself as a writer. And I took a sketchbook and a journal and I wrote and I sketched. And uh, and then, you know, I went back home and life got in the way and and uh, that never happened. So it's, it's kind of amazing. So it was 39 years after that, that I was on my book tour last year on Vancouver Island uh, in the same spot where I had dreams of being a writer and, and uh, an artist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so... Tell us about your books. Sure. What What is the first book? What is the first book well, about? Well, the first book is called One Loop at a Time, a story of rug hooking, healing, and creativity. So it's really about how I reinvented myself, uh, how I went from being a homeopath, how I made the decision, how I got through treatment by using journaling, using uh, looking for joy in the everyday, uh, all those kinds of things. It's filled with my poetry that I wrote uh, during that time as well. Um, I have poems about sisterhood and things like that. And it's, it's got photos of my first seven healing mats. Mm-hmm. So that, that book uh, sold a thousand copies in the first year, um, which I didn't really realize how amazing that was for a self-published book until I learned more <laughs> about <laughs> publishing. So that that's very good to me. <laughs> yeah. And, and this, uh, so it's, it's now been two years since I published it. And so in the second year I've sold uh, close to 600. So I think I'm close to 1600 now, which is, uh, it's not 16,000, but it's not 200. <laughs> when I first started, I thought it would be, you know, I'd sell two or 300 a year just at events. And, and I still sell most when I'm speaking. Um, but uh, that, They've sold regularly on Amazon and uh, on my online shop mm-hmm. pretty pretty regularly. So all of the designs that are in the book are things that you created from scratch? Yes. And they're all based on a self-care theme. They're all based on healing and kind of what's my next step and what's... And when I was a homeopath, I was always trying to get my patients to tell me how did their body feel? what would the body feel like? What would it look like? And so that's exactly what I do in my designs. I, I kind of didn't realize it when I was doing the designing that I was actually doing what I'd done for 20 years as a homeopath, uh, just trying to understand the energy that, that the person needed. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So interesting. So, so that's your first book. Uh-huh. And then your, your second book came out and it's kind of a companion, right? It is. It is. It's called the creativity workbook. And, uh, and also one loop at a time. But people said to me, like, how did you do that? Like, how did you make that change? Um, how would I get started? So it's really a, it's a series of writing prompts. It's, I call them um, invitations to create. Because one of the things that I do when I teach is, um, is that I say, you know, you're here at this workshop. And all of my homework is only a suggestion you know, this is really your process and it's what you want. So same in my book. It's not like you must write this or you must sketch this. It's like an invitation to create and uh, mm-hmm. you can do what you want. And then it, it also contains uh, close-up photos of most of those, the first seven rugs, plus a couple more. Um, one of the rugs is now owned by uh, Linda Pierce, <laughs> So I no longer have it in, in my home, but she has it in her office. And, uh, and then it also has the original sketches that I used. Uh, to design the rug. 
just to show how simple they are. Right. And so yeah. people would read your story, be inspired mm -hmm. and say, oh, I, I want to do that. Because this yeah. is kind of the process that's going through my mind right now. Yes. Because yes. I, have, I haven't read your book, but I'm planning to. <laughs> so, and then take, take the journal and say, okay, I can try to recreate the feelings that Meryl did by following these prompts that were inspired by your journey. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So like one of the prompts is if you were going to write yourself a love letter, what mm. would, what would that look like? And, and uh, what would you say to yourself? You know, those, those kinds of things. Yeah. Wow. So that that's would be really book. difficult. That would yeah. be really difficult for me. I'd cry. Through well, and, and I have one of one of my workshops is called hook a, hook a healing that. And it's, it's basically hooking and writing yourself a love letter. Mm -hmm. And I was shocked at how hard people find it to say and to do, you know, to, to really mean it, to send loving messages to themselves. Mm -hmm. So my books contain lots of little suggestions on how you might do that. Like you might start giving yourself a post-it note and say, I was really brave. Or, you know, when, when I, when I first went back to networking, for example, after, uh, after my radiation and I changed my whole life and I still had no idea really what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would be introducing myself and, and people just wouldn't get it. Like they just think they come over and start talking to me about their aunt who crochets. Like they just didn't get <laughs> the impact. Right. And it was right. just I'd go home so discouraged. And and so I would write about being discouraged. But then I'd have to write myself a little love note and say, well, you know, you were really brave to get out there. And even though you don't actually know what you're doing, um, get out there and start talking to people that it took a lot of courage to get out, you know, those kinds. So those are kind of love notes is what I would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I, it, it, it is really hard to do that stuff for yourself. It's, it's yeah. easy to say to a friend, Oh, you know, I love you. You've been so helpful to me. In fact, Linda is watching. I, I think I wrote her that the other night. Uh, it's nice. very easy to say that to friends, but yes. it's very difficult to turn those negative messages we hear all the time around and say it to ourselves. And I Absolutely. get, get teary-eyed. I can feel my throat closing up just at the thought of sitting down and doing that. And even worse, at the thought of going to a workshop and doing it in public, being that vulnerable. <laughs> so bravo to you for, oh, thank you for sharing your story this way, through speaking, through books, and, and encouraging other people to do it, because we need more of that. Yeah, and, and I think... Um, just talking I don't, don't want to scare you, Anita, but when, if you come to a workshop, I, I basically, I have a very gentle way of getting people warmed up to the, the being more vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And that's also why I have, um, I have a rule that, that you don't have to do anything and that there's no criticism. So if people say, no, I just want to hook, like some people, they feel like if they, if they start, they're just going to open the floodgates and it'll mm -hmm. never close. Right. And I get that. And so people can uh, just sit there and hook if they want to just listen and just absorb, mm -hmm. you know? So, yeah. So, so now you're working on things you're not working on. Do you still call them healing mats or have you moved on to something different as a theme? Well, I have two going. So I have uh, in my artist in residence right now, what I've got is I've got two designs on the go. So one is a collection that I'm doing called Wild Women. And I've been working on those for a year and a half. And, and what I find is that people who are afraid of the healing idea 
the wild woman is actually very appealing. And, and actually when we're becoming wild women, when we're becoming kind of the women that we've always been meant to be, that's also healing. It's just yes. calling it something different. Mm -hmm. So they're more fun. Uh, they're like, I have wild woman dancing and wild woman sisterhood and wild woman in willow tree pose. And then one I'm working on right now is, is called uh, wild woman driving across the country mm -hmm. um, because she's going to meet kindred spirits and she's feeling free as a bird and she's laying all her burdens down. So those, those ladies are all done in the five chakra colors. Um, in the in the whole rug is is always the five chakra colors and then I, I'm also doing healing mats. so the mat behind me is what I would consider a healing mat and the one that's on my frame right now is called uh, this invisible cord of love and it, it's about the layers of love and it's about the cord of love that connects us to our children even when we can't be with them mm. but um I'm also working on letting go of the cord of responsibility for the emotional well-being of my children in particular. And so as I'm hooking it, I'm writing about that. And I have a lot of writing around the edges of this mat because it's, uh, it's kind of something I need to learn um, to do. So, yeah, so I'm so doing both. So it's interesting. You're writing around the edges. That's your sort of your journaling. But when... Mm -hmm when you when they're finished where does that writing's not so, part of what's hooked they get well no the writing's there. on the back oh, here on the back yeah and so if if say when this but rug sells if people want it to go on the floor then i'll put rug binding over it and you won't see the words so one of the things that i'm wanting to do um during my artist in residence here is is to think about how to get the writing on the back of the rug without there are some things that you can do on your printer and then put them on, but they, they generally fade. And mm -hmm. so I'm trying to figure out if there's a machine embroidery or something where I could put all the writing and, and put it in my handwriting and have it on the back of the rug. So right. that's, that's one of the, uh, the things I'm looking at and working on while I'm here. Well, cause that's such an in integral piece of the whole mat really. Definitely. It, it's, it's kind of a shame that it's on the back. <laughs> it is. It is. Although it's interesting. So as people are coming into the gallery, because that's one of the nice things about the, uh, the artist in residence is people stop by and chat. And, and uh, some people have um, very different responses to the rugs. And those responses are about kind of what they need. So one woman came in and talked to me about my surrender mat the other day, the big purple one that's on my, uh, the cover of my second book. And she talked about um, how uh, she, she looked at it as circles of friends. And she said, well, you know, some, some people stay in your circle and they're always there and other people are just sort of part of your circle and, and, and they kind of drift off. And like she had this whole, um, this whole story for this mat that, that obviously resonated very clearly with her. So in that way, I guess it's good to have both. Hmm. That's so interesting. So tell us, explain what this craft layer is, this artist in residence. What does it mean? Well, it's, um, it's, there's an annex that's beside the Mary Black Gallery. So I have a room uh, and it's meant for people who are at the professional level who could benefit for, from a bit more exposure who want to work on some new aspects of their work. So you have to be 
um, you have to have shown your work. You have to be, it's not meant for a brand new artist. Uh, they have other programs for that. And, and basically, uh, it coincides with the changing of the exhibit in the Mary Black Gallery. So there was a new exhibit opened last week and my craft lair opened. And so I can be here, I get to greet the public and talk to them, show people how to rug hook if they're interested. Uh, and I can also sell my work while I'm here. Um, it's an opportunity for me to uh, meet other artists because we're right beside NASCAD. And so people are walking in and saying, oh yeah, I'm a spinner and they're giving me tips because I'm just new at spinning. And, and so it's, it's, um, it's really being immersed in, in this creative community, which mm -hmm. is I think pretty wonderful. And so for people like me who aren't very well versed in the art community, mm -hmm. the Mary Black Gallery is where? <laughs> it's beside Pier 21. So Pier 21 is here and then there's that train car. Uh, yes. Yeah. And it's right at the end of the train car. Okay. And All right. So now, now everybody yeah. knows where they can go to see you. <laughs> That's right. And I'm here until uh, December 21st. I'm here on uh, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays for sure, and other times by appointment. Are you there now, right now? Yes. yes. Oh, so you're you're talking to us from your lair. I am. I am. It's I kind of that. like a little den. It's it's fabulous, and um, yeah, it's it's not a paid position, but it's it's a wonderful, wonderful opportunity. And they they actually lit my rugs like a gallery, and wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. It is very nice. So, okay, so you had said earlier that a lot of these opportunities that you're experiencing came because of social media yeah. and, you know, social media is kind of my thing. Yes, so exactly. I, I always want to ask everybody who comes on um, about, about that. So how, what do I want to ask you first? How, um, I guess, tell me how you use social media to talk about this stuff. What's your sure. philosophy? Well, I only ever post something positive. So I'm not a person, um, I'm not like a Pollyanna. Like I, I do do writing in my own journal about things that are not going well, but I try not to add to the negativity that's on social media because <laughs> there's enough of that already. They don't need me up there. So, yes. um, so I always, and my other uh, thing on social media is I try to encourage others as well like so that's kind of like making friends um encouraging other people so i'm pretty active on twitter facebook and instagram I, i'm newer to instagram and what i find is that each of those um uh, platforms have different benefits for my business so um i'll, I'll advertise obviously my uh, newsletters on on social media and generally whenever i post oh it's i've got another heart notes coming up i get a, a few signups so it's it's always been effective that way um but more than that i find that social media has helped me find community i mean mm -hmm. i work at home alone and uh many of the people who follow me are kind of all over the place um, a lot in the u.s some in the UK, and then some in Canada. I'm probably less well-known in Halifax than I am in parts of the U.S. It's really interesting, isn't it? <laughs> but yeah, Funny um, how that happens. It is, it is. And, and I find Twitter, for example, um, I've connected with a lot of writers on Twitter for some reason. And when I did my book tour 
which I organized all through social media. So it was email and social media was, was my, I did a cross Canada book tour of my first book and I spoke at 25 different places and, and almost all of it was uh, done through social media. And then when I booked my dates, I was, I was advertising them on social media and people would come in and say, Oh yeah, I saw this on, on Facebook and I thought I'd come and, and meet you. So it really does work. Um, and then, so when I was on my book tour, many of the authors that I had uh, been in contact with and made friendships with on Twitter, I actually got to meet with. And, um, and it seems like I've, I found an art community in Instagram. Mm -hmm. So I actually, this summer had a wonderful opportunity to meet this artist in the UK that I really admire. She was coming to Halifax to meet a friend or meet, meet a relative or something. And so we spent the day at, at the art gallery together and, and that was just fabulous, right? So, um, yeah, and, and people reach out to me as well on social media, um, people in need of healing, people who are writers and wanting to write their own books. So it's, it's very much a, I find it's a give and take. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I try, I know you advised me years ago, not, uh, not to make it all about me. And so I, I really try to do that now at this, <laughs> this past week, I've not, I've been breaking my own rules because <laughs> I've had this, you know, this, uh, I've got the sale on my books. I've got, um, my artist in residence. So there's a lot going on in my business, but in general, I try to just say a third about me and sort of two thirds about other people and, and, um, and so I, every day, every morning, I, I go through my social media accounts and try to see who's doing what and, and just encourage somebody and say, well, that's great. This is, I'm happy to see you're doing this. Or if I read the newspaper and I see an article about somebody, I'll post on social media that I think they're doing a great job, you know, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. So that's, that's basically uh, which which one of the networks you're you're using Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram mainly? Which which one's your favorite? <laughs> I like the I like the immediacy of Twitter. Mm -hmm. So I, I like I like the it, you get more interchange with Twitter. Like I get a lot of people say, "Well, I follow you on Facebook," but they never say a thing, you know. And, and it's mostly the rug hookers that are on Facebook, um, and they very seldom will comment about anything. Um, and yet when I had my last, that, that newsletter that I talked about a personal issue that I had, I got so, so many responses. Uh, so I know people are reading, reading mm -hmm. things, but, but they're just not, not always interacting and Instagram. Uh, I just find really inspiring to see what other people are doing. It's, mm -hmm. I'm still trying to figure out how to, how to share and figure out that repost thing, but, uh, but I'm getting there, but you're, what you're doing with your mats and showing I mean, your last newsletter that came out, was it just yesterday it came out? Yeah. Um, showed the sketch for the new wild woman going across the country. Is that what it was called? That's right. So, yeah, I, I mean, Linda knows Linda's listening. We tend <laughs> to say that people don't open emails, but you know what? I do open yours and I do read yours. And so I read yours yeah. yesterday and not just because you. you were coming on the show, yes. but because you do share really vulnerable stories. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I'm, I want to see what you're up to because yeah. you're very inspiring. So thank you. Um, I, I know what I was trying to say was, 
your stuff is perfect for Instagram because you're showing kind of the process. Mm -hmm. You're showing the behind the scenes. Lots of people get to see a rug in a store or in a gallery and it's finished, but it's, it's seeing the process and hearing the story of why you're doing this particular design and what it means. that makes it perfect for Instagram. It does. It does. And I, the one challenge I have is, is uh, my, I find my following is growing fairly slowly on Instagram. Um, whereas uh, Facebook just kind of, it took off like this. Uh, I don't know why. I don't know. That's interesting because yeah. most people are saying the opposite to me. Mm. Like they're saying Instagram grows very quickly and Facebook is, is a lot slower. So well, it could be that I really started my Facebook page when I started my cross country tour. Mm-hmm. So it, that may have been, and I wasn't on Instagram at that time. So, yeah. yeah. So you like them all for different reasons. I do. I do. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't think I could pick just one. I mean, I do like uh, Instagram because it stays there, mm-hmm. you know, so if people want to see your page, it's easier for them to see all of the posts that you've done. I mean, I know yes. you can do that on Facebook, but it's, it's not, it's very clunky and slow and yeah. Yeah. What, um, if there's, if there's somebody out there who's listening, who is thinking about doing something, so maybe not rug hooking, but they're doing something in the arts area. Do you have any tips for them for social media, how to, how to recreate the growth that you had maybe with social media? Well, I think one of the things that you've already mentioned is to show your process mm-hmm. and to talk about why you're why, why, why you're doing what you're doing. And um, I think that connects with people. It reaches them on a level that's different than if you just show your work. Right. Um, yeah. And, and that, uh, and I think the other tip I would have would be to to go on and look and see what other people are doing and comment and be supportive and um, you know be interested in what other people are doing because I found uh, I mean I've made friends with artists in Poland and and different places and when I when I post on Twitter that my next newsletter is coming out they're the ones who are retweeting everything you know so it's it's like you, you kind of make a friend and, it, and it's genuine because obviously I really like what she does and, and that's mm-hmm. why I've commented. But, right. Yeah. It's interesting in the art community because it, it sounds to me like the art community or your rug hooking community that they don't feel competitive. They feel, feel more like family. Whereas in some industries, it's too competitive to share somebody else's newsletter when it comes right. out. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that um, art is for everybody and art is there to be inspiring. And, and, and the goal of most artists is to just inspire other people. Um, You know, maybe, I guess I'm not in a situation where I'm really competing with anybody either, because what I'm doing, even in the art community is quite different Mm -hmm. than what anybody else is doing. Well, and even if, even if I today decided I was going to be the next rug hooker, my process, my thoughts, my why would be so completely different from yours. Absolutely. Our, our designs would be completely different. And so there is no way to replicate Meryl. No, <laughs> no. And, 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 and you need to do what you want to do. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. 
So anything else you want to tell us about social media, how you're using it or tips for, even if it's not somebody in the arts, tips for small businesses who might be listening? Well, I think, I think the value of having a regular newsletter has really been good for me. So um, I used to publish once every three months while I was uh, a homeopath and it really did nothing, uh, I would say. And now I publish twice a month and probably I should be publishing once a week, mm-hmm. but I just can't quite get, get it together to do that. But every time I publish, um, my book sales go up. Um, people, you really stay top of mind. Uh, that's how a lot of my invitations have come to speak and to teach it is through uh, people being reminded about me on social media. So, mm-hmm. and yeah, and, and the, the newsletter doesn't have to be long. And generally my formula is I have uh, a new blog post generally at least 10, at least twice a month for the whole year. And I might once or twice uh, slack and repost a, a blog, but generally a new blog post. And then I have a section called uh, love notes. So it's uh, people's uh, compliments about my business. And uh, I had to be encouraged by Linda to do that. because <laughs> uh, I was a bit reluctant at first. Um, and then I have a, a section called news and then I have a section what's on my Shetty camp frame. So it's again about my process. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have a where's Merrill section, which I really kind of stole that from Mary Jane cops. She has a, you know, where's Mary Jane uh, section in her newsletter. And it's, it's great because then people see what you're doing and also they know that, Hey, I'm out there doing things, you know, and it's otherwise, how are they going to know? So, and well, and I look at that list of things that you're doing and I think, oh my goodness, who knew there were so (laughs) many places out there for somebody to go and talk about rug hooking. Yeah. Or just healing and healing. I know it's not all about rug hooking, but sometimes I look at that list and I go, okay, she's going to a rug hooking museum, rug hooking museum, rug hooking group that like, I've just been blown away by how many groups and places there are out there focused on rug hooking. Yes, there are a fair number. Yeah, there yeah, are so many. And if you expand it to fiber artists, which is more kind of, I think my work is sort of leading, it's still rug hooking, but more into the um, uh, combining other mediums into my work. Mm-hmm. And that's more of a fiber artist. And that community is huge and yes. very exciting. And uh, one of the things that, that I learned uh, when I was in Sauter Village in Ohio this summer is there's a whole group of women who are rug hookers and fiber artists who are using their work to make a difference in the world. So I would include myself in that group. But women uh, doing political rugs, um, you know, there, we have uh, Laura Kenny in Truro, who who does all kinds of hooking around the plight of the lighthouses in Nova Scotia. And she's doing a whole series about Maude Lewis and, and how she's kind of been, uh, her image has, has been a bit uh, commercialized. You know, everybody's okay. trying to make money off of Maude Lewis. And, yeah. and uh, when I was in Ohio, of course, a lot of the Americans, there was a, not a lot, but there was a small, uh, exhibit around all the political statements around what 
what was happening in their country. So it, it's really kind of exciting to me to be part of this. Uh, uh, I guess we're kind of like former hippies and, <laughs> and we're back, back being uh, revolutionaries. So, yeah. well, yeah, it's it infinitely me. interesting to me because it's a world so different from anything I've been mm. involved in that I just mm. find it fascinating. And the process of how you, how you pivoted your life and your business to me was fascinating. And we didn't even talk. I mean, there's so much we didn't talk about today, <laughs> but we're okay. running out of time. No I want to ask, I do want to ask you two more questions. One, um, what's next for Merrill? Well, I'm, um, as I said, I'm trying to get invited to New Zealand. So that's one thing. I'm writing two other books. So one, one book is uh, a third in the series of One Loop. And it will be, so the first book was my story of how I reinvented. The second book was how to get started. And then the third book is more about uh, once you've made a change in your life, how do you sustain it? How do you keep it going? So that, mm -hmm. that'll be my third one loop. And I've got almost all the rugs hooked for it. I just need to write most of it. Um, but a book that has kind of interrupted that is um, related to uh, my son who went to prison recently. So it's about how to be a mother uh, in a situation where your child is off the rails mm -hmm. and, and how to survive and how to take care of yourself. And so the, the book is really, again, about my whole idea of self-care um, and also with the idea uh, underpinning it that his journey is his journey and that's our children have their own journeys. And, uh, and so how to, how to release response, feeling responsibility for their path and still mm -hmm. take care of yourself and survive. So I'm kind wow. of in the midst of that right now. And uh, mm -hmm. so I'm... I'm not making too much progress on the book um, just because I'm still in the survival mode, but that, right. I, and I'm looking for a publisher for that book. And I, I know that I will need a, a really good editor mm -hmm. for that one because uh, I feel like it has the potential to, to really uh, reach a huge audience. Mm -hmm. So I won't self-publish that one. Yeah, I, I think it does. And, and it's, I'm assuming because I haven't read it, but I'm assuming just based on the blog post you wrote that it's incredibly vulnerable and it must be very tough to write. Yeah, it's tough, but I guess for me, I've never been good at keeping things in. So far, <laughs> for, so far the year when, when my son was on house arrest, I didn't tell anybody other than people who really knew me closely. Mm -hmm. And so I was trying to carry on my business of helping other people care for themselves and um, as if everything in my life was great and and it was very painful and and um, and I realized that that to keep it in just is too painful for me so so you know it's sort of like come hell or high water I have to share what's in my heart and uh, and I feel better when I do that and and what I found was once I uh, once I kind of got that off my chest and, and told people what was going on um, I had all these ideas for mats and and like mm. So when I let things out, that's when my creativity really blossoms when I, yeah. Of course, because that's the way things work. Exactly. Right? Exactly. That's right. It was blocking yeah. you. Yeah. So the, the other question I wanted to ask you is, I, I'm pretty sure you have a sale on these books right now, don't you? I do. I do. So, so where can we go to get these books? Well, so my sale is usually they're $50 for the set. Uh, and so I'm, I'm offering them for $35 taxes in. 
And so you can get the books from me down at the Center for Craft um, until December 21st, and but also until December 7th, they're on my online shop on sale. And um, my Amazon stores, I can't figure out how to do a set of books. So the books are individually priced on sale, but the best deal is either on my online shop or to come down and, uh, and meet me at the Center for Craft and, and pick up a book here. Perfect. And we'll yeah. drop the links in for all of that um, afterwards here. Great. So uh, and any other projects you want to tell us about or anything else you want to drop in here? No, I think I'm just, uh, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm doing this artist in residence. I'm going to uh, continue working on my rugs, but come January, I'm going to be writing and mm -hmm. seriously trying to get my publisher lined up. So. Well, from the young girl who wanted to be a writer through all of what you've been through, you're finally a writer. I mean, there's I no denying it. You're it's so fabulous. It's so fabulous. And I think that uh, when I was at Waterloo, I, I took fine arts and I thought, well, no one ever makes a living as an artist. So here I am and, and I feel like I'm doing what I am exactly meant to be. And maybe I took a long route, but in some ways, I think my life experience makes me a better writer and a better artist, so. Well, and on that note, I that was a perfect note to, to end on. So thank you, Meryl, for joining me today and for sharing your story and uh, hopefully inspiring some people to be themselves, to be more vulnerable and to think about what they really want to do with their lives. Oh, and I have one more thing. Okay. <laughs> I'm having a wild woman's circle on November 25th down here at my craft lair. It's from 1 to 3 p.m. And come in and join us and talk about what does it mean to be a wild woman. And uh, you can learn to rug hook or you can just chat and have tea, whatever you like. So you're, everybody's sounds, welcome. That sounds lovely. And I, I hope to make it down for that. I don't have thank my schedule you. open, but I hope <laughs> no to make worries. it down for that one. So thank you. All right, well, thank you so much for joining me today and thank you to everybody we had lots of comments on facebook that uh, i didn't bring into the conversation but lots of lovely things about meryl and how she's been inspirational to different people um, and about sharing and, and that it's good to share so thank you to everybody who watched on facebook live and thank you to everybody who's listening on the podcast uh, if you're interested in being featured on Hallablab, please send me a message you can find me on pretty much all the social networks or you can email me at info at twerp.ca. That's T-W-I-R-P dot C-A. I would love to uh, talk to you about whether or not you're a good fit for Hallab Lab. And we're now booking for January and February for the show. So um, one other reminder, if you are a podcast person and you would like to get a reminder every week when the podcast version of the show is published, please type in the comments here on Facebook, just type podcast, and that will take you into Facebook Messenger and get you set up on that list as well. So thank you to everybody for joining me today. Thank you to Meryl. We will see you all next week. Stay social, Halifax. Thanks for listening this week. You can catch the Halablab live every Friday at 1.30 p.m. Atlantic, 12.30 p.m. Eastern, on the Twerp Communications Facebook page or catch the replay on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. You can go to twerp.ca for links to everything we mentioned in this episode. And while you're there, you'll probably want to grab one of the freebies available to help small businesses manage their own social media marketing. 
If you run a small business in the Halifax area and you'd like to be featured on Halablab, we would love to hear from you. Drop us a line at info at twerp.ca. That's info at twirp.ca. Talk to you next week.